Did anybody here, I don't, maybe you, you do wear these bracelets. What would Jesus do bracelets? Anybody who still wears them? Someone once said to me, or not said to me, I heard someone say that, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, something that we can't. <laughs> I think sometimes those bracelets, what would Jesus do, is a kind of idea that, you know, if we can just be determined enough and disciplined enough, we can do what Jesus do, does. If we can just take a note and remember to do it by looking at a bracelet. So when I look at these verses in a moment or two where it talks about how to love, I want us to hold intention a couple of things this morning. We are going to look at the call to love, balance that with the reality we actually can't do it, but there is a Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who can cause us to love. Amen. So I want us to hold those two things. So the first half is the, the kind of glorious description of love. So in, in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, in verse um, 13, um, Paul says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Or other translation might say, the flesh. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all we do. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarised in one grand statement. Demonstrate love for your neighbour, even as you care for and love yourself. So it's an amazing verse, and really as Paul is saying in, in very obvious terms, that this call to be free isn't a call to live a self-indulgent life. And so self-indulgence really is, I just do exactly what I want, when I want, how I like. But he's talking that freedom sets us up to be part of a, a corporate body, part of a, a community where our greatest goal is to love other people. To, to understand that freedom is actually for the benefit of other people. That in certain um, times we're actually to limit our own freedom so that we don't cause another person to stumble. So freedom is always about other people. Amen. We've been set free to love and to love other people. And it's not just about um, I'm right with God and a personal relationship with God. Though it is that, it's also I've been now connected to a body. And this freedom I have with God, this absolute freedom I have, is now a freedom to not be self-indulgent and just to do what I want, but is now a freedom to love other people. And so he talks about we're called to love, serve and care for others as we care for ourselves. It's interesting that we, I think we find it generally easy to be uh, aware of what we need. Um, I think we all are, are, could, could be aware of when we need a better job, or we could be aware of, I need a better house, or um, I need better circumstances, or we could be aware of, I need a personal breakthrough from God to be set free in a greater sense, or we can be aware of where we need physical healing. And Paul is saying, demonstrate love for your neighbour, even, even as you care and love for yourself. So that we're very aware of what we need. 
and he's saying the goal of the gospel is it connects us to God, then connects us to other people, so that we want for other people deeply as we want it for ourselves. That love does that. That love makes it matter to us about our community and about whether people have good housing or good jobs or whether they're being exploited by landlords. So we all know for ourselves we want to be in in environments where we're looked after by our landlord and cared for and provided for in a good, good house. Love makes it matter to us what's happening to other people in the community. And I think for, for all of us, we would say, you know what, we all want to grow in love more. That we all want to be um, growing in love for other people. We'd all say, you know what, I really want to be, and we want to be, a really open and loving community when people come to visit. Here, amongst us, we're in community groups, or on a Sunday morning. We all want to grow in love. Amen. Um, I think we all want hearts that are moved for the hurting. I think that's what love does. It, 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 it brings us out of our own hurts and thinks, I want to see the love of God impact those who are hurting around me. We'd all say, I want to grow in love so that um, the way I love people is coming through my particular personality and coming through my particular gifting But the goal is, I want to love people well. I want to love them like I love myself. That we all would love more and more to be in a place where we're loving those who curse us. You know, that people who misunderstand us. Amen. (laughs) And are harsh to us. That instead of returning the same thing, curse for curse, we would return love for a a curse. Or a, a harsh word would be returned with a kind word. That love, in effect, sets us radically free from being self-absorbed. That love sets us free from just being concerned with ourselves and opens up a kind of window upon the world. That self-absorption actually is the source of so much misery, pain and suffering. (laughs) And... If we're, if, it's just, if we're just contained in a box where we're just thinking of ourselves and our own needs, it's actually really limiting and constrictive and creates pain and suffering and misery. Love actually makes us self-forgetful. Love sets us free being, from being enslaved to our own ambitions. Love sets us free from the fear of man. It sets us free from being enslaved to things. It... it catapults us to make sacrifices for other people. That love compels us to take more risks. So let's like, say, for example, we're aware in our own body, I need a breakthrough of healing. Love takes us and looks at other people as they pass us who are sick and thinks, I, I want to bring the solutions of heaven to them. And love compels us to make, take more risks. Love compels us to have the courage to step beyond... Um, I'm just terrified of bringing a prophetic word about somebody out there in the street to compelling us to say, I want to call out the gold and the, and the greatness in people because everybody needs encouragement because we're aware of our own personal need. I need to be encouraged. The world needs to be encouraged. Love compels us to take more risks. Love compels us to believe for the miraculous, to break in everywhere around us. And Paul says that love sums up everything that the Old Testament law was speaking about. He says that 
Love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarised <coughs> in one grand statement. Demonstrate love for your neighbour even as you care for and love yourself. So if all those hundreds of laws that they had in Israel of things to do, things not to do, how to relate and react to one another, that, that, that Paul is saying everything can be summarised up as it's, it was all going for just love people as you love yourself. That was the whole summary of the whole Old Testament law. But love is not a new law to merit acceptance with God. So we've sort of painted this self-forgetful picture. Um, I'm going to love the sick. I'm going to prophesy life over people. I'm going to love those who are hurting and those who are broken. I'm going to love people and be concerned um, even about their issues of provision and house and job. I'm going to express that liberally through my personality and my gifting. But love is not a new method of meriting, of meriting God's kindness, God's attention and God's favour. That law and rule keeping has absolutely no advantage in our relationship with God. And that's what Tim was looking at last week, that the, the, the rules that we set ourselves have no advantage with God. And so sometimes you can hear this kind of thing about love and, and on different aspects of love and we can define it and talk about it and put details. And you, and you can think, okay, you're setting up a new set of rules. That love summarises the law. And so is love now a new set of rules? No, love is not a new set of rules. Whatever you... For example, if you said, oh... If I prophesy over one person a week in the street, will God love me more? Well, that keeping that rule would have absolutely no advantage in your relationship with God. You might say, what about if I pray for the sick every time I go out, and every time I see someone on crutches, I pray for them. Surely God will favour me more, love me more, accept me more, be more willing to bless me, draw me close. It has no advantage upon your relationship with God. You might think, what about if I um, gave away everything I have to alleviate poverty and, and did all, all this and, and did all that and, and, and campaigned? Maybe God would love me then. Whatever rule of love you set yourself, it absolutely has no impact on your relationship with God in terms of his approval, acceptance and love adoption yeah. upon you. It's always the life, it's always the death, it's always the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's never what we do for God that wins us his approval. And Paul says earlier on, he says, actually, if you rely on the law, you've fallen from grace. And we see sometimes this in, in English language, that person fell from grace. You ever seen that? You have a TV presenter and everybody likes them and thinks they're amazing and they're really celebrated, and then something comes out and that says they have fallen from grace. Now they've got to kind of redeem themselves. Watch a football match. There's a lot of biblical language in the football <laughs> match. That player has made a mistake. Now he has redeemed himself. He did a good tackle or he scored a goal or he saved a penalty. That Paul is saying any time we rely on our activities in order to merit grace, kindness or favour, we have actually fallen from grace. That any time you believe that your behaviour 
what you do and what you don't do or the activities that you engage in or don't engage in gives you any merit with God, you have actually fallen from grace. What's grace? Grace is divine empowerment to do what God asks you to do. Mm. That grace is not just a doctrinal statement, I was saved by grace. Um, It was Jesus and his life, his death and his resurrection. It was all grace. Grace has a substance, has power. It's as if if you were cutting the lawn and you're, you, you've got, maybe you've got, you're cutting the grass and your lawnmower is plugged in to, and you've got the power and suddenly you're, you pull the plug out and it's not, move, it's not working anymore. When we rely on our own diligence, efforts, activities in love, we unplug ourselves from the lawnmower or from the power source and we're trying to do it in our own strength. That love is not a new law to merit acceptance. That grace, divine empowerment, enables you to do what you could never do under law. That demonstrate your love for your neighbour even as you care for and love yourself. Nobody could really do that. If there would have been a command that you could make you do the thing then there would have been no need for Jesus to come, live, die, and rise again. If it could be just a... If if I could just say to myself, or say to you, I command you to love, as you love yourself. And if, in that command, you could then do it, then there's no need of divine empowerment, or strength, or energy from heaven. The command would be enough to do the thing that the command asks you to do. But grace is, it enables you to do what you couldn't do by just being told you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is, we're going to now transition, because I want us to, to know this. You can't love like this. You can't do it. You know, sometimes you may have been in meetings or preachers and someone's told you to love like this and there's a rousing, rallying, come on, love like this, come on, forget yourself, come on, don't be self-absorbed, come on, sacrifice, come on, think about the poor, come on, be aware of the hurting, come on, don't just be absorbed with your own ambitions. You can't do it. (laughs) And we could shout about it, make some rules up about it. You and I cannot love like God loves. And yet, he calls us to love like he loves. Just like he says, be holy, holy set apart, just as I am holy. See, this is, we've been, I've been pondering this question for seven years. Why can't we live the way the New Testament calls us to live? Why don't we see the sort of freedom that we see in the New Testament? 
Why aren't we able to see the kind of freedom that we see outlined? Not just partially free, but completely and wonderfully free. The reason is we're not fully convinced that we can't do it. So we hear a message about love like this, and then we, we, we can easily go away and say, now I'm going to love like this. I'm going to discipline myself to love like this, and we can't do it. John Wimber, one of the, this, this quote impacted me so much, was when Jesus said to John Wimber, the guy who went around healing, he said, since you can do nothing... How much help do you need? And John Wimber said, I didn't really understand the question since I was, could do nothing. So he went away and worked for another five years, trying to be, trying to do, trying to make the kingdom come, trying to love like Jesus loves. Then Jesus came back to him. Since you can do nothing, how much help do you need? Then he understood. I can do nothing. Then his prayer times became less about trying to beat himself up and become something and more about quietness and obedience to his voice. Then he said, Holy Spirit started to give me desires for things I didn't have before. Wow. So then love starts to bubble up and you find out that, wow, this this is how God's called me to love. This is what it looks like for me to care for my neighbour as I care for myself. Mm -hmm. Left to our own devices, we can't do it. We can't do it. The gospel isn't pull up your socks, try a little harder. God's a little ticked off. Loving Serving, caring is not about human effort. Loving like God takes resources that we don't actually have. It's not about your temperament and it's not about your personality and it's not about your DNA. You can't do it. That love is not a product of hard work and is not a product of self-discipline. It's a fruit. (coughs) And it's a fruit of Holy Spirit. We're going to look at this in a couple of weeks. But the fruit produced by Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expressions. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. They are all a singular fruit of his nature. So you think, I want to be more loving and I want to be more joyful and I want to be more peaceful then it's the fruit of Holy Spirit. Mm. <coughs> we, we can say that we set ourselves a New Year's resolution. This year I'm going to be more patient. This year I'm going to be more peaceful. 
This year I'm going to be more joyful. This year I'm going to be more loving or self-disciplined or whatever. What about if you start off with this resolution? I can't do it. (laughs) I can't do it. I cannot be in the world what God has called me to be in the world through my personality, discipline or self-effort. That love is the fruit of connection. This is a great job description. All we have to do is let him love us. Mm. It's all. That's the whole job description. That there are only two things in life that we need to remember. Faith and Holy Spirit. (laughs) That we never graduate from faith and we never graduate from Holy Spirit. Mm. No, you don't have to think about anything else ever again. It's all. Everything is about heart connection to Him. That faith expresses itself by love, he says earlier in chapter 5. That this interior reality of faith gets manifest out there in love. The overflow is is love, the interior internal reality that produces self-forgetful love is connection and faith to Holy Spirit. Nothing else. So, the kind of love that God calls us to is supernatural kind of love. Is supernatural kind of love. It's walking with Holy Spirit is how we love and serve and care and bring transformation everywhere we go. It's an It's the honouring statement of without Holy Spirit, nothing is happening. Nothing. Absolutely nothing is happening. Wendy Backlund says, often in the church we teach people to behave like Jesus. When we need to be taught to believe like Jesus. Faith and Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that there can't be programs and training that can help us hear God's voice. I'm not saying that it's not necessary to understand techniques of how we can go out and pray for the sick. I'm just saying that the core powerhouse motivation is is not trying harder or needing more equipping. The powerhouse is being connected, plugged into grace, being plugged into Holy Spirit. So how then do you receive Holy Spirit? And the Bible talks about go on being filled with Holy Spirit. 
And Paul says in Galatians 3, it's the hearing with faith. So in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about that, that Paul clearly communicated to them that Jesus had been crucified for them. And they heard it with faith. They said, wow, he died for me. I don't need to fulfil the law. He did it for me. And they believed and they heard it with faith. And then they got filled with Holy Spirit and God did miracles amongst them. When they fell from grace, it was because they stopped believing that it was only through Jesus and started to believe it was for their, for their own diligence, activities, determinations, discipline and rules. And he calls them back, here with faith. Hearing with faith is the pipeline, the conduit, the cable that connects us to the energising power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is how we depend upon God. Faith is how we receive the Holy Spirit. That everything in God's economy comes by faith. Everything. For example, if my faith is I can only hear God's voice on a Sunday morning during worship, that will be the only time I hear his voice, even if he is speaking all week. Because Everything in the kingdom of God is taken by faith. The whole kingdom works entirely by faith. The hearing with faith. So if the Galatians got into the kingdom because they heard about the cross through faith, and then God filled them with the Holy Spirit and did miracles amongst them, that every time we hear with faith whatever God is saying, we can get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's always hearing with faith. Like I can hear, oh, oh, I can hear what Joe said earlier on about his like fierce protector, fighting and pulling down walls, and he's he's energetic and he's furious in his desire to protect us from any lie or anything that would block us from him I can hear it or I can hear it with faith mm. I can hear it and say wow that was a nice word and then go off self-protecting and digressing to find false peace yeah or I can hear it with faith you are a superhero for me tomorrow at work You're going to be with me when I face that difficult, challenging and awkward situation. You're going to be there with me. Wow, when I'm wanting to press into more courage and overcome fear, you are going to kick down walls and pull down lies. You're that for me. See what's happening? I'm now banking on it. I'm hearing it with faith. I'm trusting it. I'm believing it, I'm relying upon it, I'm depending upon it, I'm trusting God, looking to God and banking on God. It's the hearing of faith. You can apply it to any area. Father says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear in your shelter. 
Don't worry about food. Don't worry about that. God knows what you need. Now I can hear it, or I can bank on it, trust on it, depend upon it, rely upon it, and say, I will not worry. I don't care what my emotions are saying right now. Emotion is not the measurement of truth. Emotions are beautiful things. They're beautiful things. Emotions just tell you what you really believe. You are my provider. You are my protector. You are my fierce deliverer. You are my father, whether I feel it right now or don't feel it right now. It doesn't matter what my anxiety is saying, what my worry is saying, what my circumstances are saying, what my history is saying. I'm going to choose to put my confidence only in what you say. And then Holy Spirit rubs off on us. We start to be filled with the fruit and overflow with the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. So to finish, I'm just going to invite us to stand. We're going to... If you're a Christian here this morning, you've got a promise from God that that Peter talks about in Acts 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and all who the Lord God will call. You have a promise. And Jesus says you can be filled with the Holy Spirit because you can just simply ask for Holy Spirit and God will give Holy Spirit and not find fault. He's he's, he's, He's... He's the one who gives, like if a child asks for a fish, he will give a fish. If a child asks for bread, he'll give bread, not a stone. And so we can come right now and say, Father, I thank you that I have got a promise. I thank you that I have got a promise. I've heard your word, I've listened to your word, and I'm believing it right now, that the Holy Spirit is for me, that I want to love like this and I know I can't do it. And so I'm recognising right now that since I can do nothing, I need you and you're really willing to come because I've got a promise. I've got a promise that you said the Holy Spirit has been poured out now on all flesh. I've got a promise. I'm included in a promise. It's all who the Lord God will call. That includes me. I'm included in that promise. And Jesus, you said all we need to do is ask and be thirsty and just come to you and ask. So I'm coming and I'm asking right now. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, I choose to bank on you. I choose to rely on you. I choose to depend on you. I choose to put my confidence in you. I choose to recognize I cannot live the life you ask me to do in my own capacity, strength or ability. But I do believe that God can rub off on me. And I do believe in the supernatural work of God that I can bear supernatural fruit of love. And I'm looking for you right now to fill me. I'm looking for you to fill me. That my only concern is our relationship, our heart-to-heart connections. All I care about, I'm coming to you, faith and Holy Spirit. I'm never graduating from these things. It's always going to be by faith. It's always going to be by Holy Spirit. And I believe right now, regardless of what I feel, I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm trusting you. I rely on in you. I'm trusting your word beyond my emotions or feelings or history or circumstances. Fill me now. Fill me now. Ha. Fill me now. Fill me now. I'm leaning on you. I'm depending on you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm trusting you. Thank you, thank you. You're filling me now. You're filling me now. Thank you, God. Thank you.